0: The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com.
1: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the Gospel of Luke, chapter two. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.
2: Deborah sings a song of praise about JL and she says, most blessed of women be JL. Most blessed of women. She put her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera a blow. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. He's dead. JL is a head crusher. (laughs) And this is really, really important. And that's why she's called blessed. She saves Israel. We have Messiah because of this woman. If Israel would have become extinct and and wiped out off the face of the earth by the Canaanite army, there'd be no Messiah. He's the offspring of the Israelites. Salvation has come from the Jews. So she has saved Israel. Blessed be Jael. A head-crushing woman who cooperated in the salvation of Israel. That's huge. Most blessed of women be Jael. Jael, the tent-dwelling woman, most blessed. So anytime you see the woman with the hammer, that's blessed Jael. Who's the second blessed? Judith. Judith is awesome. Now Israel is fighting the Assyrians, and the captain's name is Holfernes. And Holfernes was greatly pleased with Judith. He loved, she's gorgeous, she was a widow. He drank a great quantity of wine, much more than he had ever drunk in any one day since he was born. That's not going to be good. (laughs) So Judith was left alone in the tent with him, and Holferner was stretched out on the bed, for he was overcome with wine. And Judah told her maid to stand outside the bedchamber and wait for her to come out like she did every day. She said she was going to say her prayers. So Judah stood by the bed, said in her heart, O Lord God of all might, look upon this hour upon the work of my hands for the exaltation of Jerusalem, for now is the time to help thy inheritance and to carry out my undertaking for the destruction of the enemies who have risen up against us. She went to the post of the bed above Holferne's head. She took his sword that was hanging up there. She came close to the bed. She took hold of the hair of his head and she said give me strength this day O Lord God of Israel and she struck his neck twice with all her might and severed his head from his body then she tumbled his body off the bed pulled down the canopy from the post and after a moment she went out she gave the head of Holfernes to her maid who placed it in her food bag (laughs) just another day at the office (laughs) Blessed be Judah. Judith saved Israel. Judith called out from afar. Watchmen at the gates. Open the gates. Open the gates. God, our God, is here with us to show his power in Israel. At the hand of a woman has salvation come. His strength against our enemies, even as he has done this day. Praise God. Oh, praise him. Praise God, who has not withdrawn his mercy from the house of Israel, but has destroyed our enemies by my hand this very night. The Lord has struck him down by the hand of a woman. And the people said, blessed be Judith. Blessed are you in every tent of Judah, in every nation who hears your name. They will all be alarmed. Blessed be Judith. Judith is a head crusher. Judith is a head crushing woman. Blessed, blessed be Judith. Blessed be Jael, a head crushing woman. Blessed be Mary, the head crushing woman of the New Testament. The one who will crush with her son, the head of Satan, the most cosmic battle on the face of the earth. She won't just save Israel. She'll save the entire world, all her children, through this head blow. Blessed be Jael, blessed be Judith, and blessed be you Mary among all women. And blessed be the fruit of your womb, Jesus, because he's the real savior. He's the real savior. And you have cooperated with God's plan in bravery and courage and humility. And the arrogant will fall and you will be exalted and all generations will call you what? Blessed. Blessed are you, Mary. You're a head crusher. Get it? I love it. I love it. That was told to her way back in Genesis 3.15 that the virgin woman would have something to do. Her offspring would help crush the head of the serpent. It was his curse. So you can bet Satan is waiting and watching for that virgin woman because he's ready to devour her child the minute it's born. Now, back to the Immaculate Conception Room at the Vatican. Look up. Because you're going to see the hammer, mallet, who's that? Blessed be Jael, and you're going to see Blessed be Judah, the other head crushing women with Mary. David also is a head crusher, and Mary's from the house of David because David will slay the giant and slice off the head of it. He's a head crusher. So, when you go to the church, also at the visitation, when you go upstairs to the beautiful chapel, you're going to see all the women that had a part in the salvation of Israel. It's fabulous. But the three that I'm drawn to today is Blessed Judith with Blessed Mary and flanked by Blessed Jael, Blessed Women of the Bible. So Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. So together, Mary will have cooperation. Jesus will be the one that actually does the crushing. But together, Satan will be crushed. And Jesus will crush Satan's head on the cross. And Mary won't leave for a minute. She'll be there every step of the way, totally cooperating in God's plan, no matter how painful it is, no matter how many swords pierce her heart. Was it easy to be a head-crushing woman? (laughs) Simeon tonight says a sword will pierce your soul, your own soul, Mary, to this young girl. Were they rewarded? Jesus ascends to heaven, Mary is assumed to heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Mary is crowned queen of all the saints and angels. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And all generations will call me blessed. Mary knew, not in a proud way, in a truthful way. 2,000 years later, we're calling her blessed. Mary is blessed for cosmic head crushing. Elizabeth said, And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth knew. Mary should be bowing to old Elizabeth the elder, but Elizabeth falls to Mary's feet. She knows the mother of my Lord is visiting. Why should this be that the mother of my Lord would come to me? She knows she's a new ark. She knows the contents of her womb is the Lord. She's full of the Holy Spirit. For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed again, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her. So that that exclaiming shouts of joy only in front of the Ark of the Covenant. What's in the Ark of the Covenant? Same, same. Hebrews tells us the Ark has the word of God written on stone tablets by the finger of God. The manna, the bread of life, the bread of angels that they ate in the desert, and the rod and staff of Aaron, the high priest. Mary has the incarnate word, the word made flesh in her womb. The word will be written on the hearts of people. She carries the bread of life, the manna, the bread, the medicine of immortality. She carries Jesus, the eternal final high priest. This priesthood that we have is Jesus's priesthood. And Jesus will rule the nations with what? An iron rod, the staff. John knew it in the vision on Patmos Island when he saw the heavens open. The temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in the temple. A great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon was under her feet and on her head was a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, it's Mary. She's the ark of the new covenant. Anastasius knew it as early as the third century, second century. He said, oh, Ark of the Covenant, clothed with purity instead of gold, you are the Ark in which is found the golden vessel containing the true manna that is the flesh in which divinity resides. She's often called the house of gold. What's the number one rule about the Ark? (laughs) Oh, you guys are so good. Don't touch the Ark. Ever. Do not touch. Hands off! Joseph knows. (laughs) Joseph is blessed with grace because when the glory of the Lord is in the temple, no one can enter. Joseph can't enter. He's blessed with chastity, just like the Old Testament Joseph, chastity with Potiphar's wife. That's blessed. That's a blessing Joseph has. You never ever touch the ark. When Nabdab and Abihu offered uncensored fire in front of the ark, what happened to them? These were sons of Aaron. They offered uncensored fire in front of the Ark of the Covenant and they were both killed instantly. Don't touch the Ark. When David came into Jerusalem bringing the Ark of the Covenant, he's dancing and leaping in front of the Ark. Michal, Saul's daughter, thinks he's hideous. She's like, the king of Israel should not behave this way. He had stripped down into a linen ephod. That's priestly garb. He's king and priest. He danced before the Lord with all his might, with a linen ephod, dancing and jumping before the Lord. One of his men reached out. The ark was on the cart, and Uzzah, it was, it was like hitting a pothole. It was going to unsteady, and he just reached out to steady, and pow, struck dead. He was smitten for touching the ark, and they landed up staying in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and there was great blessing on that place where the ark stayed for three months. Guess where it is? It's right where Mary went to meet Elizabeth. Same exact location where John the Baptist leapt before the Lord. That ark stayed there three months. Mary stayed there three months with Elizabeth. When David's man was struck dead for really doing nothing but defending the ark, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him for his error, and he died there by the ark of God, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said this, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? What did Elizabeth say? Same thing, same location. David was not willing to take the Ark of the Lord into the city of David. He took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. So David's going to stay three months with the Ark in the foothills outside Jerusalem. And the Lord's going to bless Obed-Edom and all his household. Now the new Ark, Mary, is going to this exact location for three months in the exact same foothills of Judea and the Lord is going to bless the house where she stays, Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's right where David leapt before the Ark of the Covenant is right where John is going to leap before the new Ark of a new Covenant and all its contents. And David said, how is it that the Ark of the Lord could come to me? And Elizabeth said, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, the new Ark, would come to me? How is it that the true presence of the Lord can come to me? Sinful Sharon Doran, how is this possible, that the ark of the Lord, that the true presence of the Lord could be in my body when I take communion? How how can this be? There is a altar called the Ark of the Covenant. It's in Chicago at St. Stanislaus. I've been there and prayed there. They have mass there. It's huge. It's Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant. If you're in Chicago, stop and see it. Mary, Ark of the New Covenant. They can open up her womb, her heart. That's where they repose the Eucharist. She's the Ark of the New Covenant. In an old painting of the visitation scene, some of the church fathers think that Joseph went also. They think Joseph accompanied Mary on that trip. And there's Joseph with his rod of Narn, And that's how, from the Proto-Evangelium of St. James, that's how Joseph was chosen, that his rod sprouted, just like Aaron's rod had sprouted. With the old ark, Joseph's rod sprouted. So we don't know. That's not in scripture. But it's uh, speculative theology. That's a whole branch of theology. You can get a PhD in speculative theology. It's important, because it helps us figure out doctrine. Okay, so Luke 2, Jesus is circumcised. And he's named. He is circumcised on the eighth day as prescribed by Jewish law. He is a good Jew. He is circumcised. It's the very first blood he shed for us. His circumcision on the eighth day. Yes, he is male. We don't have to change the songbooks. We don't have to put he she language. He's a man. He was circumcised on the eighth day. The foreskin of his penis was cut. So just in case there was any confusion about that. He is a man, a human man.
1: We'll return to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran in just a moment.
0: Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app.
1: We now return to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran.
2: The Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, if a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. And at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskins shall be circumcised. So they did that. They named him Jesus like the angel told him. Joseph must have had to take him because Levitical law, the woman is still not purified. So Joseph probably took him for circumcision, maybe at a synagogue, maybe at the temple. I don't know. Bethlehem's very close to the temple. And he was circumcised on the eighth day and named Jesus. Now she, according to Leviticus 12, she still has 33 more days of purification. So that on the 40th day, they can go to the temple for the presentation. And when the woman's days of purification are completed, she's to bring a lamb a blemish-free lamb for the burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for the sin offering. If they can't afford a lamb, because they were more expensive, you could bring two birds, one for the sin offering and one for the burnt offering. And she shall make atonement and she shall be clean. So when it's time for Mary and Joseph to go, what do they bring? The poor offering. They don't have enough for a lamb. They're poor. They bring the two birds. But what are they carrying in their arms? The Lamb of God, the unblemished Lamb of God. They've got the best offering they could ever possibly bring, the true presence of God. So they've got the burnt offering of the turtle doves and the sin offering, which will be atonement for the life of the world, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Remember, there's no true presence in the temple. There's no ark at this time. And remember what... 2 Maccabees 2 says that the place is going to be unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows mercy. The minute these two walk in the temple with the true presence of God in their arms, what happens? The true presence of God is back in the temple. And the Holy Spirit falls on this old man named Simeon. And Simeon knows. Now there is a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon, his name in Hebrew, means he who hears. And in uh, Hebrew, if you hear, you obey. It's one thing. To hear and obey is the same. He's a man of hearing and obedience. He's a man of hearing with acceptance. Simeon's looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's huge. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed one. He's going to see Messiah before he dies. It's been promised to him. And he is inspired by the spirit. And Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. I can die now. Let me go. I've seen him. I've seen him. My own eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for thy people Israel. I've seen him. I've held him. I've seen him with my own eyes. I can die now. Let me go. This is him. This is Messiah. This is the anointed one of God. He knows by the power of the Holy Spirit. And his father and mother marveled. They marveled at what was said about him. Can you imagine what Mary, young Mary, 13, 14-year-old virgin girl, thought when Simeon said this? And then Simeon blessed them. And then he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that will be spoken against. Some translations say a sign to be contradicted. And a sword is going to pierce through your own soul also, Mary. And the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You can imagine Mary, this young girl, a soul is going to pierce her soul. Can I have my baby back A sword is going to pierce her soul. What did he mean by that when she was 13 years old? Scary for a young girl. What's it mean, Lord? And when you go to the place he was crucified, the tomb of the Holy Sepulcher, where you see the spot of the crucifixion, there's Mary with seven swords in her heart, the statue right next to Jesus. What's seven in the Bible? Perfection. She's got a perfection of suffering in her life. She's going to nail it. All these seven scenes of sorrow, the seven sorrows of Mary, we just celebrated the feast day, the seven sorrows of Mary. And when you look, she's standing at the foot of the cross seeing her son, and she's seeing the wounds of Christ. And there's one, two, one in both hands, three, the crown, four, five in his feet, six in his side, and seven, her heart, her wounds, and his wounds cooperating together for our salvation. Her heart, her immaculate heart, and his sacred heart burning together the fire of God's love to get us back to the Father, to open the way back to heaven for us. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign that's spoken against. And a sword's going to pierce through your own soul also, and the thoughts of many are going to be revealed. Now, what is this? The thoughts out of many hearts will be revealed by Jesus Christ. He can read hearts. He knows our hearts. He says... Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. He's going to be contradicted. There's going to be a line in the sand with his sword. You're going to have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Yes or no. Do I follow him? Do I not? Do I kind of? Do I straddle? Do I sometimes? Do I not? Oh, you you got to decide. He's going to reveal your heart. He's going to lay it bare. He's going to see you one day as you really are. He sees us now as we really are. And we try to hide from him. And he doesn't know that part of me. No, I love that sin too much. no, 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 no. He knows our hearts are laid bare before him. In Hebrews, it says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Paul says to the Corinthians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad, they're going to be laid bare one day. Paul says, now we see him in a mirror dimly, but then we're going to see him face to face like Moses did face to face. We're going to see him. He's going to see us now. I know in part, but then I'm going to understand fully. Even as I have been fully understood, we're going to know him. He's going to know us so intimate, so beautiful. And he's going to have those eyes of mercy. Don't be scared, but kind of be scared because you're going to be laid bare. I mean, you know what I mean? That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's why he came. That's what he does. Now there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phaniel at the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. She had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And then she lived as a widow till she was 84. And Anna did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She never left the temple, this lady. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for the redemption of Israel, for Messiah to come. Anna, last time I read to you from the Proto-Evangelium of James, and it said in there that Mary lived in the temple from age 3 to age 12. Anna's been living in the temple for all those years. She probably knew Mary if Mary was a temple virgin. So when she sees Mary come in with this baby in her arms and Simeon's run over and given this incredible prophecy, Anna Comes into that very hour and Anna gave thanks to God. And Anna spoke to him of all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is him. This is him. This is him. She knew Mary. She knew Mary was full of grace. She knew Mary was special. They're waiting for a virgin to bear Messiah. This might be the one. And then when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth, Dunk Nazareth. Branch town, branch town, where the branch of David is going to come from to fulfill another prophecy. When Joseph heard, this is from Matthew's gospel, Joseph heard that Herod Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod the Great, so he was afraid to go there. So, so he's warned in a dream to go up to the district of Galilee. And he will go and dwell in the city of Nazareth. Dunk Nazareth. And these are the hidden years. These are the wonderful years. The child grew and became strong and filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. These are the years, the hidden years in Nazareth that none of us know anything about. We know till he was age 12 and then nothing till he age 30 begins his priesthood. These must have been wonderful years. The holy family having a normal, ordinary, holy life. But remember this picture when Adam and Eve are banished, who goes on their side with them? Satan, the prince of the world, and he is waiting for a virgin to have a child so he can devour it. So he is watching and waiting for this. And they sure look like an ordinary family. This cursed serpent is hungry like a lion prowling about the prince of the world. He's seeking to devour the child of a virgin woman the moment it's born. So they are kind of hidden. Up in Podunk, Nazareth, they look like a normal family. She doesn't look like a virgin. She has a husband. They got a kid. You know, Elizabeth comes sometimes to visit. Zachariah is probably dead. John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. They're frolicking around. They're playing together in all these paintings. Until John has to go to the desert, probably when Elizabeth dies. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Mary, praying with him. She knew all the prayers. She knew all the songs. She knew all the psalms from the temple, serving in the temple. Picnics time together. Joseph teaching him the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures. Joseph would have a righteous holy man working with Joseph in the carpentry shop, learning a skill, learning a craft, learning a trade, going to the festivals three times a year to Jerusalem, traveling with the whole group from Nazareth. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as was custom. And when the feast ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a whole day's journey and they saw it among the kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. They have lost the son of God. If you lost your kid in bakers, I mean, that's, they have lost the son of God. <laughs> and after three days, on the third day, on the third day, they found him where? In the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking questions. That's a Socratic method. He was doing that with them. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding of his answers. This 12-year-old kid is blowing them away. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And Jesus said to them, how is it that you saw me? Duh. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I mean, Mom, this is Temple 101. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I mean, seriously, where does the true presence of God belong? In the Holy of Holies in the temple. And Jesus is drawn there. And he's desiring to be there. He knows it's where he belongs. Mom, where does the true presence of God belong? Duh. Of course I'd be in the temple. There was no true presence of God in the temple. When Jesus walked in, it's where he belongs. And they didn't understand. Mary and Joseph didn't understand the saying which he spoke to them. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? This is a messianic mystery. It's just like today. Where's Jesus? Does the world know? Where's Jesus? He's in every single Catholic church, tabernacling in the Holy of Holies. He's in every single Catholic church. I must be in my father's house. I must be in my father's house. Duh, guys, don't you know? Come sit with me. Pray with me. Be with me. They didn't understand what he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. He was obedient to them, obedient in all things. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor. That's grace, favor with God and with man. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. She's not a blabbermouth. She doesn't want the messianic secret out. She's loving these years of quiet with Jesus. She's pondering things. She's praying. She knows the scriptures. She knows the sword's going to pierce her heart. Let's just wait a while. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just praise and thank you for your word. We thank you for the true presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. We thank you that we now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are tabernacles. We are tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we can say, Lord, I am not worthy that you would enter into my house, into my tabernacle, into my tent, but only say the word. Because you are the divine healer, and you've got leaves of medicine from the tree of life, and you can heal us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Only say the word and we will be healed. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: You just heard the conclusion of the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 2, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.